Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. On this episode, Bishop breaks down Pentecost, when the disciples received the Holy Spirit. Hear more about the readings for the day, as well as how it connects to confirmation, and whether or not it's possible to have other Pentecost moments in our lives. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop. Thank you again for joining us. You're welcome, Kyle. We are getting very close to a new priestly ordination coming up. And a while back, we had the ordination to the diaconate for our transitional deacons, our seminarians, on their way to priesthood. Any reflections on how the ordination to the diaconate went or looking forward oh, to was, the priesthood? It was beautiful, yeah. I, on um, May 21st, I ordained five deacons, transitional deacons. Actually, there's seven in that class. Two of them are, are studying in Rome, so they won't be ordained deacons until the fall in okay. Rome. So that's great. And the the ordination on the 21st of May was at St. Matthew's Cathedral in South Bend. And it's always one of my highlights of the year is celebrating diaconal and priestly ordination. So it was very joyful. And yeah, I'm very excited. It, you know, gave them their summer assignments. I took them out for lunch the day before their ordination and gave them their summer assignments. And just seeing the joy of their families and we had a lot of priests and deacons who who were there at the ordination, and and then as you mentioned, the priesthood ordination coming up this Saturday, June fourth, and I'll be ordaining three, mm-hmm. and I'm really also very excited about that. That will be at the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception in Fort Wayne. The three are deacons Brian Eisenbarger, Lee Allen Fortin, and Mark Hellinger. And they will be the ones ordained priests and, again, three fine young men. And I'll be meeting with them over lunch beforehand as well. Forget which day. I think it might be Friday or uh-huh. Thursday or Friday and give them their first priestly assignments. I always find May and June with so much happening, confirmations and graduations and ordinations. It's certainly extremely grueling schedule, very, very packed calendar, but but so joyful to see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all these people. Do you split the two ordinations because they're fairly different ceremonies, or is it more just like a population thing to give yeah. a little bit more room in the cathedral for guests and stuff? You know, you can combine them in one mass, but that's not ideal. Uh-huh. There are a few times where we've done that, like we did that during the pandemic, but no, it really should be separate. They're separate orders in the Sacrament of Holy Orders. And usually it's always the same Saturdays, the the first Saturday of June. That way people, and especially our priests, can keep that on their calendars to to mark that off for priesthood ordination. Then two weeks before is always diaconate ordination. Very good. Well, and then also this coming weekend we celebrate Pentecost and Looking back, we've never done a full episode on the topic of Pentecost, and I thought this is a pretty big deal in the church. Yes. <laughs> worth worth covering. There's also two different gospel options for right. Pentecost. Why is that? Yeah, there's sometimes in the lectionary, uh, the priest celebrant has an option. Sometimes it's about the first or second reading or the gospel. It's not very often, but in case of Pentecost, there are two choices. So, the celebrant of the Mass can choose one of two passages, and both of them are from John's Gospel. 
The first one is from chapter 20, which is interesting. It's the first part of the gospel that we hear on Divine Mercy Sunday, where hmm. Jesus appears to the apostles in the upper room on Easter Sunday night and tells them, receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them. So the institution of the sacrament of reconciliation or penance. And interestingly, that first option for Pentecost is the gospel I've been using this year for my confirmations. Okay. So I've been hearing that gospel a lot. Yeah. At least confirmations that are, that occur on weekdays, because when it's a confirmation on a Sunday, I use the Sunday okay. gospel. But And the second option is from chapter 14 of John's gospel, which is part of the farewell discourse of Jesus, where he talks about sending the Holy Spirit. Very different stories. A lot of times when there's options, it's like a shorter version or a longer version of the same story, but these are, are very different ones. So maybe if you don't mind, Bishop, you said you spend a lot of time with this first option because you use that for confirmations. Yes. This year. Mind reflecting on this oh, particular let me, gospel? I think it's good. I'll read it and then reflect on it. It's, sure. it's John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. It's interesting, some biblical scholars will call this the Johannine Pentecost, hmm. Johannine referring to John, because when we think of the descent of the Holy Spirit, we always think of 40 days, 50 days after Easter, you know, when the disciples are in the upper room and wind fills the room and tongues of fire. Uh -huh. But this is, is Easter Sunday night, the evening of the day of the resurrection. The disciples had locked the door, the house for fear of the Jews. They were devastated that their teacher, Jesus, had, had died. So they were also confused because they had heard that the tomb was empty. Mm -hmm. So Jesus appeared to them, the risen Lord appeared to them. And their anguish changed, okay? First of all, Jesus entered through closed doors, locked doors, and stood in their midst, and he said, peace be with you. And then he even said it a second time. Hmm. Now, that's kind of a common reading, but here it has a new significance. Uh, we're talking about interior peace, and it's really an Easter greeting that enables the disciples to overcome their fear. And what is the peace that Jesus brings? It's the gift of salvation. Remember in his farewell discourse, Jesus said to the disciples at the Last Supper, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So here on the evening of the resurrection, he's giving his peace in fullness. And this peace is a source of joy.
Jesus had said, let not your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And, and really, that's a message to us, you know, to receive the peace of the Lord. I always find it interesting that as a bishop, when I celebrate the liturgy, the greeting that I am instructed to give at the beginning of Mass is precisely that. The bishop, I always will say, as instructed, peace be with you at the beginning of Mass. Mm -hmm. That's not the greeting that the priest gives. The priest says, the Lord be with you, or the grace huh. and peace of God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ be with you. But, but the bishop says what Jesus said, peace be with you. Just an interesting little side I never caught here. that, yeah. yeah. And then after our Lord showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side, really was confirming this reality that it's him, mm -hmm. you know, the reality of the resurrection. He's the same Jesus. He's the real person who had been nailed to the cross. Then again, their sorrow and fear turned into full joy. I often think of this notion of peace as the gift that the risen Lord wants to offer to all of us. It's the peace that he purchased with his blood. And then we are to bring that peace to the world. That's why Jesus says in this gospel, right after the second time that he says, peace be with you, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And I think of that he's sending us to bring his peace, to bring his love. He's sending out the disciples. He had completed his work in the world, but now it's up to them to continue that work, to spread the word of God, to spread the gospel, to make uh, Jesus known and loved. And then he did something that is really beautiful. After he said that, after he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This is really the sign of the new creation. You can think of the first creation. The Spirit hovered over the waters. And that word for spirit in the Hebrew means the breath of God. So this is the beginning of the disciples' mission. And it has to do with the forgiveness of sins. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them. We consider this the institution of the sacrament of penance. Mm -hmm gave this power for the forgiveness of sins to the apostles and their successors, the bishops and priests of the church. So this is all part of that peace. We're never at peace if we're burdened by sin. So we need to be released and cleansed of our sins to receive, and then we receive that peace from the Lord. So when you are giving this as a reflection for confirmation, what are some of your thoughts there? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I will often talk to them about that piece because I've gotten letters when I get letters from our candidates for confirmation. Keep in mind, these are adolescents. A, a lot of times they'll share with me, you know, about their lives. And, and I've seen an increase of young people sharing with me their feelings of anxiety. Like a, sometimes they'll, they'll say, Bishop, I'm struggling with anxiety yeah. or stress, whatever. So because of that, I've kind of 
will, when I reflect on this gospel, talk about how Jesus can give them peace. And I talked about how anxious and the apostles were and how downcast they were and fearful they were. And and Jesus came and he said, peace be with you. So I said the same thing. Jesus gives you his peace, the Holy Spirit. And I will then talk to them about how we can open ourselves to that peace, especially through prayer. And I'll usually reflect on prayer and the importance of prayer for their lives. You know, these are 13 and 14-year-olds, and I'll give them some concrete examples. I'll also talk to them about the importance of of going to confession, Hmm. where we receive peace and joy when our guilt is taken away and we're freed from from, uh, sin. I'll share a little bit of my experience of the peace and joy I feel after I go to confession. So I find that they respond well to that. It does sadden me that this is such a struggle for young people because I, when I think of when I was that age, I don't remember having anxiety. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't remember it, though. I think that's more of a problem today. Maybe it's because of all the technology and everything, but I'm very conscious of that when I'm confirming them because after I say, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they say, amen, I say, and this is required, peace be with you. Mm-hmm. And they respond, and with your spirit. And I, I look right in their eyes when I'm saying that, and I have my hand on their head. Mm. I'm really praying at that moment that they experience the Lord's peace. Do they usually have their eyes open or eyes closed at that point? Most would have them open, but okay. some, some have them closed. Yeah. Yeah, some will close their eyes at that point. And I almost always get a smile after I say, peace be with you, because I— Huh. I'm I'm serious when I'm anointing them and saying, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm intent. But I, I usually, it's just a natural thing. I, I usually break into a smile when I say, peace be with you. Yeah. Because peace is connected to joy as well. I want to talk a little bit more about this con- the connection between confirmation and Pentecost. Before we do, I think maybe we should take a look at the second reading. And before we do that, though, I'll remind you that if you have questions for Bishop, you can text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And we will continue to talk about Pentecost, take a look at the option for the gospel and how this all relates to confirmation. That's all coming up here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit, member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives with products, services, and education. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it back to our members. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop talking about Pentecost coming up this Sunday. Mentioned there's two different options for the gospel. We took a look at the first option, which is John chapter 20, towards the tail end there. And then the second option is John chapter 14, verses, it skips around here. It starts with 15 and 16 and then skips to 23b through 26. So what are we learning in the second option for this coming gospel? 
Yes, let me read this gospel and then reflect on it. Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always. Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. Those who do not love me do not keep my words, yet the word you hear is not mine, but that of the Father who sent me. I have told you this while I am with you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. This is really beautiful. This is part of that magnificent farewell discourse of Jesus at the Last Supper. And that would be a great discourse to talk about sometime on the show, although it would probably be several episodes. It's so deep. But as you know, I love John's gospel. So the gospel, if, if the priest chooses this gospel for Pentecost, notice it begins with Jesus telling the disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You know, when you think about the gospel, uh, gospels, Jesus is often inviting the disciples and others to believe in him. But this is the first time in John's gospel that he calls for his disciples to love him. Hmm. I think this is interesting. And obviously, Jesus loves his disciples, and he's inviting them to love him in return. And he's asking them to keep his commandments out of love for him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And of course, the great commandment that he gives them is love one another. So this is something important to to consider. You know, how do we express our love for Jesus? And really, we show our love through living his teachings, living the gospel, following his example of humble service. Mm -hmm. And after he says that, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He immediately says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always. So this is a promise. At his request, the Father will give an advocate Mm -hmm. to his disciples. The advocate comes as a gift from God. Now, who is the advocate? It's the Holy Spirit. That's one of the titles. By the way, the Greek word, as you probably know, is parakletos, which is paraclete. Uh So if you had an exact transliteration of the word, and some translations of the Bible won't say advocate, it'll say paraclete. But the Latin advocatus is used in in Latin translation and then comes into New American Bible, which is what is used in the lectionary, it comes to us as advocate. But when you look at that Greek word parakletos, it means called alongside, Hmm. called to one side, ad vocatus, called to. And it means someone called to one side to assist. You can think of the legal setting. And this is actually a a Greek word, parakletos, that is, it's a word for the advocate for a person who's accused in court of a crime. Okay. 
not exactly a defense attorney, but kind of like that. And basically, the idea of how, why is this a title for the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit is our helper, is the one at our side to assist us. So there's a greater meaning to it here. And Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to be with you always, okay, to be at your side. Well, they already have an advocate, and that advocate is Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's why he says, I'll give you another advocate. Uh, I'll pray that the Father will send you another advocate. So Jesus is going to leave soon. Remember, this is at the Last Supper. So he's this is his farewell discourse. So he's preparing the disciples for his departure. And he tells that them that the coming advocate will be with them always. That's very, very important and beautiful. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you always. See, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will carry on the work of Jesus after Jesus returns to his Father. It means he'll be with us, his followers, his disciples, always. So I I think this is good to meditate on and to be aware of the Holy Spirit's presence within us in our lives. Now, continuing with the reading, Jesus says, kind of very similar to what he said at the beginning, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now he says, whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. So here we have, you know, the Father who loves Jesus, he is saying, my Father will love him, will love his followers. We will come to him and make our dwelling with him. This is very important that uh, this notion of dwelling. I mean, when we read at the very beginning of John's gospel, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He made his dwelling among us. He lived in the flesh on earth. So now we're talking about the dwelling of the Father and the Son with us through the Holy Spirit. So then we continue reading. Jesus says, those who do not love me do not keep my words. Yet the word you hear is not mine, but that of the Father who sent me. So the unity of the Father and the Son, and the Father who sent Jesus, and now Jesus is going to be sending the apostles, the disciples, with a mission. But they're not being left alone. Mm -hmm. They are going to have the Holy Spirit at their side and within them. Jesus says, I have told you this while I am with you. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have told you. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, you know, whom he will send the Father will send in the name of Jesus, is really like a representative, just as Jesus came in the name of his Father to do his work. The Spirit is another advocate for the followers of Jesus, taking up Jesus's work after he returns to the Father. And it's interesting, he will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. So really, the Holy Spirit helps us to remember the teachings of Jesus 
you know, we think of the gifts of knowledge and understanding and wisdom, these gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand more deeply the mysteries of our faith. And notice the Holy Spirit doesn't impart new teaching, but imparts new understanding. He will teach you everything, you know, Jesus says. So the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will help the disciples understand the full revelation made through Jesus. And we know that in the life of the church. The Holy Spirit enables the church as a whole, not just us as individuals, to apply Jesus' teachings in new situations. The Holy Spirit is the soul of the church. The Holy Spirit guides the church. So anyhow, I think this is a beautiful gospel to choose for Pentecost as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this the latter one, we actually are doing these in the opposite order that they actually occur in uh-huh. in the gospel. So this one is is telling what's going to happen at Pentecost, and then the the previous one that we read is what happened. Right. Or what happens at Pentecost. So both of these, we talked about them being used for confirmation gospel as well. Can you talk about the relationship between Pentecost and confirmation? Yes, I often at confirmations, I will say to the candidates, well, today's Pentecost in your life because they're being sealed with the same gift of the Holy Spirit that the disciples were sealed with on Pentecost Sunday. They're receiving the same gifts, the gift of fortitude, the strength to witness to Christ in their words and in their deeds. That's what the sacrament of confirmation is all about. And that's what happened on Pentecost Sunday because it was the the beginning of the mission of the church. The disciples were transformed. They were no longer afraid. They went out. Mm-hmm. They had this strength of spirit and courage to proclaim the gospel, even in the midst of persecution. So we see that in our own lives as well through confirmation. We have that inner strength that comes from the Holy Spirit to live our faith with conviction. And we have to, of course, open our hearts to that gift that's within us. It's, it's in our soul, but we have to open ourselves to it. So there is a very close connection between Pentecost and the sacrament of confirmation. The symbol of the fire is also something I'll often talk about because, you know, why fire? Why tongues of fire? And mm-hmm. you think about the symbolism of fire. Fire, first of all, gives energy. Fire gives, helps us to be energetic in our faith to, you know, fire gives strength. So fuel, et cetera. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. But fire also gives light. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit enlightens our minds to know the will of God. And I'll talk often to the kids about being open to God's call in their vocation in life, to pray about whether God might be calling them to be a priest or a brother or a sister Mm -hmm. or a a married person. And also fire gives warmth. Mm -hmm. And when you think about one of the, another title of the Holy Spirit is the comforter. So I'll talk to them that in, in tough times or in times of sorrow, like the death of a loved one or some particular challenge in their life, that when they pray, they can experience the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the warmth of God's love. So there's a lot there. I often have so many things I want to say in Pentecost homilies, uh-huh. I mean, in confirmation homilies, because, you know, it's our teachings on the Holy Spirit are so rich. Um, 
And, you know, there's some Old Testament background. I think you were wanting to ask me about the the word Pentecost itself. Yeah. I mean, Penta is where we get like the 50 days, right? Right. right. Pentecost means 50. and But it's interesting that this is a feast from the Old Testament. So when we hear the word Pentecost, we immediately think of the coming of the Holy Spirit right. upon the apostles 50 days after Easter. But it's one of the principal feasts of of Judaism. And, you know, we have the Jewish Passover in early spring, and then in early summer, they celebrated the Feast of Pentecost. Mm -hmm. Another name for it is the Feast of the First Fruits, or the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of Harvest. There's different words for this, but the Jewish feast is Shabbat. So this is an important feast for our Jewish brothers and sisters, the Feast of Shabbat. And it really began, and you can read about this in the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, where it talks about God's command that they should present offerings of new grain to the Lord, because this is the beginning of summer, and it's actually the first harvest of wheat, the wheat crop. So they had Passover, and then 50 days later, they had this Feast of Weeks. So that's significant that it was on the day of Pentecost, this Feast of Weeks, the Feast of the Harvest. There's a lot of things you can reflect on. Uh That's when the Holy Spirit came. As time went on, and I think it was really post-biblical times, a little bit after the Scriptures, the New Testament, the Jewish people began to commemorate also on Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. So they linked this Feast of Weeks with the the giving of the Torah, the giving of the law, the idea of the Israelites arrived at Mount Sinai 50 days after they left Egypt. You know, that tradition kind of developed. And so that's another important thing to think about, okay, that if the Feast of Pentecost is the Feast of the Harvest, but also the Feast of God's giving the law, well, here we have, what's the first fruit of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection? It's the Holy Spirit. You know, kind of mm-hmm. interesting to think about that. Right. But also the new law of the Holy Spirit, the law of the Spirit. So it's neat to see these connections, I think. We could go into that a lot, a lot more. But, you know, sometimes we don't realize the Jewish roots of our Christian feasts. Mm-hmm. And and yet think about this. This is part of God's plan, the plan of salvation. So there's this, there's not this rupture between the Old and New Testament, but really the fulfillment. So if our confirmation is our own personal Pentecost, is it potential that we have other kind of Pentecost moments in our lives? Like if if we receive the Holy Spirit at, at confirmation, but maybe weren't really fully open to it or uh, receptive or understanding or maybe just not in a good place spiritually. I, I think most of us maybe look back at our confirmation and don't see that as a pivotal point in our life that everything changed after confirmation. But maybe there was a retreat or you know a conversation with somebody or a confession or just a spiritual reading or a later kind of epiphany that maybe awakened the Holy Spirit. Would that may potentially be like another Pentecost moment in our lives? Is that something that 
Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, when you think about it's same with baptism. Mm. So both baptism and, and confirmation are only received once in one's life because there's right. a permanent character that one receives, you know, and in confirmation, that sealing of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we received, we're talking about something within us, in our souls, and therefore he is always with us. And so at, as you say, at different times in our lives, especially when we open our minds and our hearts in prayer, we can see the action of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I remember it wasn't actually not long after I was confirmed where I first had the idea that God was calling me to be a priest. Uh-huh. Well, you know, you think of that Holy Spirit's gift of counsel. So right. very early on, I think I felt that effect of the Holy Spirit. And later when I was praying in, as a college student, it became very powerful. And I received those fruits of the Holy Spirit, joy and peace mm-hmm. at the idea of serving as a priest. So so all this is connected. So I agree with you. There are times. Now, one has to be careful. Sometimes people will say, the Holy Spirit told me this. God told me this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a danger there of subjectivism. You know, like, I think we have to be very cautious about just claiming that as if we're, it's something infallible it, that we have. No, right. I, I would basically say, I believe that the Holy Spirit led me to this. But I think you have to be careful because that's how there's been these kind of spirit movements in history of the church where people are saying, well, the Holy Spirit told me this and they actually were in heresy. Mm. So you have to be really careful about those claims. But I think in a personal level, we can, you know, discernment is very, very important here to discern that this is truly coming from the Holy Spirit and to have the humility to not make claims that, well, you know, I know the mind of God or something, you know. So all this Pentecost is happening before the life of St. Paul or before his conversion. Do we know anything about his baptism confirmation? Well, remember, he had personal direct encounters with Christ. There wasn't the mediation. So although in the Acts of the Apostles, you know, when Jesus called him. Now, he was baptized by Ananias, but, you know, it was also a direct encounter with the Lord. So God is not limited in acting by the sacraments. I mean, that's the normal way, especially Mm -hmm. for us. But this was at the very beginning of the church. So this was the same thing with the apostles themselves. We don't hear about Peter and John and James getting baptized. They were, you know, Jesus directly gave them the gifts. Interesting. Well, thank you for walking us through this. And uh, depending on where you go to Mass and what your priest chooses, you'll have a couple different options here on what the gospel might be. But uh, just kind of a reminder for all of us, I think, to be open to the Holy Spirit and those gifts that we were given at confirmation. Or if if you haven't been confirmed yet, if you're able to, to be confirmed. And then uh, if you're if you're not quite old enough yet, and something to look forward to as well. So thank you, Bishop, for this reflection. Before we go, could we get your Episcopal blessing? For sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. 
Truth and Charity with Bishop Rose is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.